you know, um, maybe you're visiting. I know there was a few visitors here, and, and we were grateful and thankful for you to be here. And we have, for the last counting today, for the last four weeks, we have been discussing this series that we have been calling Not Normal. You saw it through the dance. You saw it um, through both videos that were up on the screen. And um, for the last four weeks, we've been, and we are discussing what it means to be not normal. And in the way that we are discussing not being normal is by using a word which is, um, at least for me, means so much more to me now. It's, he's actually calling us now to be remarkable. And as we close off our series, Not Normal, as we do this, I truly want you to examine yourself. I want you to examine yourself through the teachings of the last three weeks. Can you do that? Like, truly examine where you're at. And I pray that as you have examined yourself, that you have experienced, thank you, Mike, that you have experienced a difference, that you have experienced the difference in your life. I know I have, for sure. You know, this series has been, uh, and you've heard me say this, what I feel that the Lord is calling us as a church to be and calling us as individuals to be. How many of you have been impacted uh, by these last three weeks, um, these messages that God has just been giving us? How many of you have been impacted in such a powerful way? One? Amen. <laughs> Ali, you impacted me today. I don't know if you heard me while you were in the back, but... Amen. A people who are remarkable. Not just to say it. Not just to say I'm remarkable. So that they could believe that it can be for them or it could happen for them. Not, not, not that kind of individual. People who are remarkable that they can enter it. And it could become who they are. Remarkable. What the Lord has put in my heart for everyone that's here today is that you would know this word remarkable, but we're in the third phase of, of this word, and we are focusing on the word able. In week two, we talked about the word remark. In week three, we talked about the word mark, and today I want to talk about the word able. And what I want you to know is that you are able today. You know, as I was doing this message, how many of you deal with insecurities in your life? Anyone here could be transparent? I do, okay? I really do. I have many insecurities in my life, many, 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 many. And I think it's part of my flaw. It's part of, it's part of my thorn, which I have. You know, Paul said I have a thorn in my flesh. I'm like, that's not fair. I have thorns in my flesh. How come he had a thorn? I have thorns. But it's part of my thorns of my flesh. I'm insecure at times. I'm not sure. I know I'm already not normal. I know that part. But sometimes I'm even insecure in being not normal. You know what I'm saying? Maybe not, but you will. And I started to think about my life, and, and maybe this is just me. So don't take it personal if it's not you. But if it is, you take it. You're allowed to steal one of my many things. I'm talking to me. But if it's you too, then feel free to give me an amen so I don't feel too bad today on this beautiful Sunday. But here are some reasons, some reasons why, why, me, why we might feel unable. I shouldn't put this here. Why we might feel unable. Here are some reasons. One of them was, well, it could be that we are influenced. We are influenced by, by the words, by the words of others, um, rather than the word of God. And you can write some of these things down. You can write some of these things down. We're influenced by the words of others rather than the word of God. As I started to think about that phrase, I said, not only am I influenced by the words of others rather than the word of God, but come on, someone, listen to this. I've recognized that in my life, one of the voices that influences me so much, forget others, man, most of the times, it's my own voice. It's my own thoughts. It's the way that I process and think things out. Many times, my very own words and thoughts are my biggest or my greatest influences. So no one yet. No amen on that one. All right. Well, that's me. That's a little bit of me today talking to you. That's just a little bit of me talking to you. 
Some of the reasons why I might feel unable is, is this. I feel like I'm not qualified enough. I'm just not qualified. Look at them. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a world, being a pastor, you, you've put yourself in a world, believe it or not, it's sad. Watch what I'm about to tell you. That where you studied and what you studied means a lot. And if you did not study what they studied and have what they have under their belt, then you're just not as capable as they are. And I have put myself around circles like that all the time. You have a pastor that did not study the way they studied and does not have the things under my belt the way they have it under their belt. Sometimes I feel I'm not qualified, that everyone else around me is more qualified, is more superior. I don't know, God, why you're using me. And these are just things that I deal with. Third thing that might be, and, and there's not really a set number, these are just some things that came to my heart, is that there's constant failure. Constant failure. And, and the truth is, maybe as you are in constant failure, you, you rarely see victory in areas that you are hoping, even praying for. And like, my God, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've done all these things. And it's like, it never happens. It never breaks through. I'm just unable. Another one is, here it is, ready? Here it is, here it is. Comparison complex. Anyone struggle with that? Comparison. I... The worst thing that I do probably is compare myself. Because God looks at you and says, I created you for who you are to become who I am, not who they are. Comparison complex is something that I know many of us might deal with. Can I share something from my heart? I wrote this down, and, and again, you can't get offended because it's me, but watch this. Everyone is not who they might make themselves Everyone is not who they might make themselves to be. Did you know that? Did you know that? Real quick, how do I know that? How do I know that? How do I, I'm 100% sure of that. How do I know that? Because I do not. I am not, at times, who I make myself to be. Can I get an amen? amen. So if I am capable of doing that, I know for a fact that everyone else most likely is what? probably capable of doing the same thing so before we compare us with someone else remember that, that's not really who they are it's what they portray before people but trust me deep down there's someone else there's someone else in that body trust me that's me comparison complex maybe it's sin maybe it's a sin and it's a struggle with a maybe it's one a certain sin and it's a struggle of breaking free from it. I'll never be able because of this sin. Maybe it's your past. I'm talking to myself. You feel forever defined by your past? God has a way of working. God has, I like to say God has a sense of humor. That I'll read what I wrote so I don't mess it up. That we are no longer defined by our past. Rather, we become refined by our past. You could write that. You see, my past no longer defines me. My past in Christ now defines me. It, it refines me to who I am. No longer defines, it refines me. It, it has made me a better person. It has created in me something better. How many of you could say amen to that? Amen. See, it's all about how you look at it and how you let it minister to you. You see, your past doesn't have to mean that it was meant to destroy you. We've spoke about this last week with Jacob. It could have been to refine you. I was going to use like a cool bunch of words. Like it was, here's what I showed you. It was used to refine you, um, defi define you in order to refine you so that it could assign you. And I was going to preach on that. Because the truth is, if we haven't gone through the refinement of God, we'll never be able to walk in the assignment of God. But man, we could leave that for a whole other preaching. That, that should have received an amen. Y'all alive or what? And, and, and the truth is, that's what God is. God brings up our past sometimes, but not to destroy us, to show us that it's actually done something good. It's made us better. It's refined us. And in that process, he assigns us to that perfect call, to that will of his. Amen to that. Jacob, we learned about that last week. Refine us in order to cause us to walk in our assignment. Remember last week? Jacob, you are now Israel. <laughs> Intercessors, how many of you like to pray? Today's one of those Sundays. You just pray for me. But you, Lord, 
Thank you because you've made Jacob Israel. You know, when I think about this, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this verse and you can read the whole chapter when you get home. It's found in Psalm chapter 42. Read that, read that chapter when you get home. Here's David. And it reminds me of David's words. I'm not going to read the whole psalm because I have so many other verses that I want to give you today. But in one section of Psalm chapter 42, I'm going to read a part of verse 5. Look what David says. Ready? He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? You know, here's David and he had reasons to be upbeat, to celebrate. Shoot, you are the most powerful king. You have an amazing kingdom. People are under, you ring a bell and your favorite meal is served to you. That's pretty good. Okay? He had reasons to be upbeat, reasons to celebrate. But so many times in David's life, this is how he felt. And we see it through his writings. So many times he felt like he couldn't anymore. He felt like he was unable. He felt down as if he was in constant war within himself. And we see that throughout his writings and, and, and in the Psalms. And as Christians, as followers of Christ... We feel like this at times. Any of you feel like you are in turmoil within yourself at times? You feel like there's a constant war in you. There's this voice that talks to another voice. And if everyone knew about what really goes down inside your mind, you probably would have no friends, not even a husband or a wife anymore. Because the reality is you're one person, but there are multiple voices that are fighting at all times inside your brain. Anyone here? I'm the only crazy one. I'm, I know there's some crazy people in this place. And I have to grab all those thoughts. And as Christians, it's amazing because the Lord says, you grab your thoughts and you put them under subjection. So, so then what I have to do is grab all my fighting within me and say, which one's biblical? Which one in the context of text or the context of scripture, which one does God say is true? And which ones are lies from the devil and lies from the flesh out to destroy me? And then I got to, this is a real hard, hey, you thought Christianity was easy. It's not for wimps. And then you grab all your thoughts that you're going through in your brain. You put them all in order and you start to scratch out the ones that are not biblical. And then you begin to walk, live, and believe in the ones that are according to God's text for your life. It's crazy, this Christianity. Christianity is about what? Living your life in the lens of Scripture, not in the lens of the voices in your mind. And, and that's, what, that's what we go through. Uh, which voice do I hear today? There's this one, there's that one. And God is in his throne, and he says this to us. Um, I only have one voice. So ready? Amongst the voices in your mind... Figure mine out already. It's time to grow up. Man, man. I was like, okay, God. Because you know what I do then, right? I pick up the phone call. Pastor, I do this. Can you tell me which voice is from God? You, you know what I'm saying? And God has to rebuke me and say, no, don't look for man to find out those voices. Look to me. Look to my word. Find which one's real. Find which one. And I know that we feel like this at times. And here's David and all these voices and which one's from God. The author of Hebrews, uh, I want to read some scripture, and today's we're, we're going to grab some um, chunks of scripture from different places, and, and we're just going to read them. You'll see what I'm talking about. In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 16, the author of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... And then he answers who that priest is. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? That the one who has passed through the heavens is Jesus, the Son of God. It's not me, thank God. And it's not the person sitting next to you, thank God. And it's not even the priest or the pastor or the man of God from the other church. The one who has that ability, it's one. It's Jesus, the Son of God. How many of you can say amen? It's Jesus. And he says this. He says, let us hold fast our confession. Well, what is this? 15. For we do not have... A high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Well, thank God because I have some weaknesses in my life. I just talked to you guys about some crazy voices. And the author says this, but there's one. One who has been tempted. But watch this. He has been tempted. Come here. How many of you have ever spoken to someone and say this? Huh. You speak to someone, they give you advice, or they share their thoughts or their heart with you, and you leave there saying, they just don't understand what I'm going through. How many of you have been there? They just don't get it. But here's scripture. The author of Hebrews says this. Ready? 
Here, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but watch this, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, but yet without sin. So whatever you bring to Christ, watch this, you can never walk away and say, oh, he's just never going to get it. God's going to say, really? I understand everything because I've gone through everything that you've gone through, every single thing in all things I have been tempted in all of them. So it's almost like he's saying, I invite you to come into my booth, confess to me, because watch this, I got this all and understand this all and I can relate to this all. Not me, not you, not us, but only one scripture says, one has been able to be tempted through all things. You haven't been tempted in things, probably that I haven't been tempted in things and I haven't been tempted in things and you haven't been tempted in things, but Hebrews says in all things, there's one who has been tempted, but yet without sin. How many of you can say Amen. So therefore, because of this, watch what the Hebrew, you see how we're going to draw this and link this together. Hebrews, verse 16, says this. So therefore, because of what I've just said to you, he says, let us what? Man, this is good. Draw near. Let us draw near with confidence. One translation says, let us draw near with boldness. Boldly to the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You know, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Here's the author of Hebrews. And he shows us that there is a hope. That, that there is a throne and, and then in this throne, we can draw to and we could draw near this throne. And then on this throne, there is one. And there is one who sits on this throne. And part of his working is, check this out. He's not just sitting there basking in glory and receiving it all. As he's sitting on his throne, things are not just being offered to him, but he's there offering stuff from his throne. Weird. He's pouring from his throne mercy and grace. And then what's really odd about Hebrews chapter 4, these verses that I read to you, is that as he's pouring from his throne mercy and grace, look who he's pouring out mercy and grace to. To us, when we are at our most desperate time of need and help. That doesn't make sense. Because I watch old movies of old kingdoms, and then a king sits on his throne, and then... Um, the common folk, the town folk, they, they come up and they address their king about an issue in the land. Oh, king, oh, honor. Oh, king, um, I bring you this issue. And most times when someone shows a sign of weakness, sin, wrong, error, and they can, oh man, this is good because this is my life, but when they continue to show that they're mess up after mess up, when they continue to show that there probably is no hope for them. In these movies that I watch and in these history books that I read, many times these kings who sit on their thrones have enough. Everyone say, have enough. And as they've had enough, what they would do is, from their throne, they would pour out judgment and wrath and destroy whoever appears or continues to appear to them with the same thing or with this sinful evil act. But then I read in Hebrews chapter 4, that there is a throne that you and I could draw near to. And on this throne, there is one who sits on it, which is great because now we're monotheistic here in this church, meaning we believe in one God. There is one God who sits on his throne. And as he sits on this throne, here are people, common folk, town folk, like you and I. And we draw near to his throne and we begin to speak to him and confess to him all these things and all these wrongs and all these errors and all these mistakes in our lives. And the king instead of pouring out his wrath and his judgment and his anger like so many of my history books show me and so many movies show me, this king instead looks at us and pours out something called grace and mercy when we desperately need it most. It's something you don't see in normal kingdoms. It's something you don't normally see with those who normally sit on their throne. It's something that it's, something that is, what's the words I'm looking for? Something that is not normal. That a king sits on a throne and he pours out mercy and he pours out grace 
And now I'm able to draw near with confidence, with boldness. And now we are able to come to Jesus. Not fearing that he will kill us or cast us away or condemn us. But now we are able, able, everyone say I'm able. Now we are able to come to him boldly. With confidence. Confidently. For mercy and for grace. For some of you, you'll catch that revelation later when you're watching an old movie of an old kingdom with an old king who sits on a throne. And then you recognize, thank God that's not my king. Thank God my king is Jesus. You'll get it one day. Oh, Lord, speak to our hearts. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. For some of us, our remarkable is waiting for us at his throne. But all we need to do is draw near. You know that part definition of the word able is this? Part of the definition of able is this? Having the necessary resources. Having the necessary resources is what makes someone able. But do you know as I read Hebrews chapter 4, I see that he has offered just that. The necessary resources. And they're all found at the throne of grace that I could boldly, I'm able to boldly come and address every day of my life. We can, we can never, listen to what I'm about to tell you, we can never become remarkable if we are first not able to enter before his throne. Some of us don't live remarkable because we want someone else to live and walk to the throne for us. I don't even have this in my notes, but the children of Israel was a perfect example. Moses, you go to the throne. You go to the presence of God. We stay down here and keep sinning. You go up and then you tell us what to say. And God's like, I never wanted that. You see, some of us, I, we, we live our lives like that. If I could just go to this man, this man could speak to God directly, and then he could just tell me directly what he says because I don't want to hear from God directly. No one really wants that. See, we now all have the necessary resources at the throne. We don't need to do it through a person because Christ has done it through his person. How many of you could say amen? I want to jump into Romans 8. If you're there, open to Romans 8. We're going to read like 16 verses together in Romans 8. And I really want Romans 8 to bless you. As you turn to Romans 8, give me an amen. Put your eyes there on verse 1. And we're going to go and flow through Romans 8 together. Romans 8 verse 1. It depends what translation you read from. My translation in the, in the, in the bold text on top of it says, life in the spirit. And verse 1 says this. Confirming everything that I just told you from Hebrews chapter 4. Here it is. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you right now could just stop right there and say amen for that? Amen. Watch those who are in Jesus. How many of you, my students do this all the time, but how do I know if I'm a Christian? I'm like, what? Right there. <laughs> when you say that, that's how you know you're not a Christian. Like, so here we go. How do I know I'm a Christian? Here it is. You do not walk according to the what? See what he says there? You don't walk according to the flesh anymore. And I think I've underlined some of these. But, but now you work according to the Spirit. You walk according to the Spirit, no longer the flesh. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit is of life in Christ. And Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. It's an, it's an amazing first two verses. This is what we receive from him. Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. It, it, was, it was once, or I could better say this, I as a person was once unable to do anything. Because I was just a sinner. And I was going to die in my sin. These first two verses teaches us that when we are outside of Jesus Christ, we live in condemnation. But now in Christ, we walk in the Spirit. Now listen to this. And as we walk in the Spirit, we no longer are imprisoned by sin, but we are freed through grace. And then I look at these first two verses, and I say, how can this be, Paul? Look at verse 3 with me. How can this be? Come on. For the law could not do. Can I change the words? Can I change the words? For the law was not able to do.
that it was weak through the flesh. So what the law could not do, look at the comma, God now did, or God now is able, by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, listen, he condemned sin in the flesh. What do you mean? That through the life of Christ, sin has been destroyed and has been condemned. That the believer in Christ no longer has to be condemned in sin. They are freed from condemnation and there is liberty now found in Jesus. What do you mean? Paul says this in verse 3. Because what the law continued to remind you, what the law continued to imprison you, what the law continued to chain you to the reminder that you are a sinner, and every time you look into the law, it's going to remind you that you're not good enough, that you're not going to make it, that you'll never be able to become that person, that you'll never be able to have a family like that, that you'll never be able to become that man or ever be able to become that woman, that you would never be able because you are not able in itself to fulfill the law. The comma there says, but God was able through his son to do such a work that now in everything that you were unable to become through Jesus Christ, all that is destroyed. And Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, now from now on in Christ, you are more than able. So all the unableness of man, if that's even a word, now becomes able. Man becomes able. What do you mean? This is what I mean. What the law was unable to do, Jesus was able to do. And I know this well. I know this well in my life. That what the law of religion couldn't do for me, Jesus is able and has been able to do it in me. What the law of friendships couldn't do for me, Jesus was able to do it for me. What the law of, and you could break down whatever it is in your life that has never been able to do what you wanted it to do for you, there's one answer because there's one who sits on his throne. There's one high priest and he is able alone, Jesus, to do it for you. How many of you could say amen? I know that well. I know that in my life. I'm going to show you something because I don't want you to think I'm lying while I'm up here. Sorry if it's too small for you to see, but people in the front will be able to see it. One day we'll have cameras and they'll be up on the screen and everyone will see it on the screen and all that stuff if you want that kind of church. But here it is, ready? On, on, on here, on this passage right here, you see how there's some red and some blue? Because I'm proud to be an American. Okay, no. <laughs> that was corny, but you see there's some red and there's some blue. You know, I did that for a reason in my notes. Because what I did was, I grabbed verse 4, verses 4, all the way to verses 16. I'm not even kidding you. This is what I did. And what I did was I highlighted in blue, highlighted in blue, highlighted in blue, everything that the flesh and the law of the flesh, the law does to me and everything that sin and all that stuff does to me. But then in the red, I kept red. I don't know. I just thought about the blood, red, new covenant. We're doing Lord's Supper. Red's a good Good color to pick. And I said, in the red, it's everything that his righteousness, watch this, everything that he has made able, made able for me to do or become. So, so let's read it together. Okay, I'll, I'll put it here. I'm waiting for the cameras to put it up on the big screen. All right, here we go. Some of you got it. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. That's good. That's a good. Red's good. Blue's bad. Normally it's vice versa, but in Christ it's like that. All right, here it is. The, light might be, the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. Amen. The law is fulfilled because of the one who lives in us. Not because of the actions in the sense of obeying that law, but because of the Christ who has already fulfilled it and lives in us. Okay, look at verse 5 for a second. It's in blue. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So ready? I want to do this today. Here's, this is where church gets really awkward. Today we're going to play a game. We got red team and blue team. Who's in team red? All right. I'm not even going to ask who's in team blue. You know, I thought about doing this, but I said, that's not going to go good in church. But split the church for team red on one side, team blue, and we're going to do an activity. I'm going to, make, I'm going to tell whether you're red or blue team today. And then I was going to, you know, do a tally mark, red and blue, and I was going to say something, 
And then according to how you answer, I was going to mark whether you belong in the red category or whether you belong in the blue category. You know what I love to do? And please, if you ever talk to me, don't think I'm doing this to you. I might, but don't think I'm doing it to you. I like to dissect people with their words. And people have no idea that I make that because I'm so crazy sometimes and all over the place. I deceive them with an ability that I have. So what I like to do with people is I like to sit with them. And if you've ever had a hangout with me, a talk with me, you'll notice I sit there and I don't say anything. You're like, I thought he was going to speak. And I'm, no, I'm just listening to you. And I love to hear you. Because the more I hear you, the more... Te- the- Man, I, I got to be careful I say this. All right, the more I hear you, I'll just say it because we're family here, right? We're family? We love God. We love people. That's our mission statement. All right. The more I hear you, the more I know what team you stand on. The more I know. So I start listening to you. I start hearing you. And I start just listening to the way you think about life, the way you think about church, the way you think about marriage, the way you think about children. And I start to grab the philosophy of who you are through your own words. And right then and there, I'm like, this person has no idea who Jesus is, and they think they do. And then there's other person like, man, I want to hang out with this person. This person knows God. So as I read this, and you hear me today, and you listen to me today, that's so unpleasant, but whatever. I want you to determine where you stand. Ready? Those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Come here. What occupies your mind? Are there things of the flesh? Is, is the things that trigger you, the things that make you become alive, are they sinful things, things of the flesh, or are they things of the spirit? Come on, I'm just trying to say, you discern your philosophy. You discern who you are and where you stand. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm not going to split red and blue. You do it. That's blue. And the next verse is, is, is red now, so we get a good one. But those who live according to the spirit, they live according to the things of the spirit. That's red. Verse 6 starts off with blue. Boo for blue. Verse 6 says, but for to be carnally minded is death. So, so if you live according to a carnal mind, a sinful mind, the, that tree produces, the end result for that kind of mindset is death. Is, and, and, and what the author is saying here is, it's not necessary that you're going to die. It's, it's a spiritual death. Can everyone understand that? But now there's red. Amen for red. But those who live according to the, well, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Stop. Your conversations, come here real quick. You know what, I'll come down here. Your conversations, I haven't done this in a while. But your conversations, are, are, are your conversations, are your conversations, um, um, how can I say this? Uh, do they bring death? I guess that's the best way of saying it. Like, when you speak, what comes out of your words, is it negative and death and destruction and bad? And You've ever been around someone like that? I've been there. I text people when I'm with people and they leave and I text them back and say, please try to take this person with you. I'm getting bad vibes. Death. I don't want to be around people that speak death because watch this. I know what I'm capable of. I'm capable of death and I'm capable of sin. So the more I know how capable I am and of what, I know then more what I need to surround myself with whom and with what. And because I always lean in my flesh towards death, I know that I got to fight that in the spirit and walk with that which is a spirit. That's good because it's the word of God. Oh, man, I'm doing a whole bunch of things to my notes here. Oh, Lord. Here it is. Really know how to fix that? All right, let's keep preaching. What verse am I on? Verse 7. Because, there you go, you're good. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're in the flesh, you're enemies of God. If, if you're in the flesh... Here it is. You cannot even please God. You can't please God. Because think about this. In the flesh, we lack faith. In the flesh, there is no faith. And Hebrews says what? It is impossible to please God without faith. So when we walk and live in the flesh, we're not activating faith in our lives. And if we're not activating faith in our lives, we are not making God pleased with our lives. This is amazing. 
Because today as we determine where we stand in Team Red or Team Blue, look at, look at the next verse for a moment. But to be spiritually minded, now we're going we're gonna to continue to go. You are not in the flesh, but now you are in the spirit. And the spirit of God now dwells in you. How many of you could say amen? For sake of time, let's keep going. Blue. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, everyone watch this. If you do not have the spirit of Christ, then he is not his. He's not his. He's not his. You walk in darkness, you think in darkness, you live in darkness, you walk in light, you live in light. You walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. You start to look at this passage here, and what Paul tells us is, is it's, it's powerful because we could look at this and say, well, where do I stand? Do I have the spirit of Christ, or do I live in the spirit of the flesh? Because if I live in the flesh, I'm not God's. And it goes on in verse 10, it says, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. If Christ is in you, watch this, watch this, you have died. How many of you have died already? Literally. Died in the spirit. The spirit of life becomes or because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, if he dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you notice that? If I walk in the spirit and live in the spirit, there's a reason behind that because what? The spirit dwells in me. And because the Spirit dwells in me, Paul says this, watch this. If He dwells in you, then because of this righteousness that the Spirit gives, that dead no longer dwells in you, but you've been raised with Christ from that dead, and now you start to experience life. I'm going to finish off with these next few verses. The first one is read, brethren, you are debtors. Everyone say, I owe. But watch what he says, you owe not to the flesh. And to live according to the flesh, everyone's eyes on verse 13. What do I owe then? Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you die. But if by the Spirit you put death and the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage and fear, but you received the spirit of adoption and now you have the ability to say something you've never said. Abba, Father. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. This is amazing. Because I have a wife. And I have a wife who looks at me when I'm driving. You've heard that story a couple weeks ago. I have a wife who tells me something at the house. And she just stares in my eyes. And there's something about our oneness that she looks at me. And she says, I could tell you're upset. And I look at her and I was like, well, I could tell you're wrong. And she's not. And when I look at this. Passage here, Paul saying this. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. And it tells whether we are children of God. So, because his spirit bears witness with my spirit, I love this because it's showing me one thing. Then I, that only means one thing. I am one with my God. I am one with him and nothing can separate me from that. And, and, and because I am one with him, watch this. The things that leads me are the things that God has placed before me. The things that God is leading me in. When before I lived a whole life, that the things that my flesh were leading me in. So now we jump in to something that brought attention to my mind as I think about Team Red and Team Blue. It reminds me of three Hebrew men in Daniel chapter 3. And they're standing up to the threats of King Nebuchadnezzar. Have you ever read this story? Everyone has. We've preached it here before. And in Daniel chapter 3, verse 12, it says there were some Jews. This is amazing what, I'm about, what I want to share with you guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three Jews were put in charge of Babylon. In verse 12, something happens. The king becomes very prideful. He builds an image. And he says, whenever I play music, I want everyone to bow down and worship my image. So something happens where he plays music and three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stand up and say, we're not going to bow down. You know the story. Don't get so caught up. We know the story. 
So in verse 12, these Jews are told on. And one of the king's men comes up to the king and says, Hey, you've put these three men in charge in Babylon. But they pay no attention to you, majesty. Come here. They refuse to serve your gods. And they do not worship the gold god, the gold statue that you've set up. Verse 13. So Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. And he caused the three men to himself. And when they were brought in, verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar said, It is true that you refuse to serve my gods. You refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set. 15. I will give you one more chance to bow down, to worship this God that I have made. And when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, do this. But if you refuse, everyone, catch what I'm about to read to you. You will be thrown immediately into the blazing fire. And, everyone say and. And then, when I throw you into the fire, and then, when I throw you in, What God will be able to rescue you from my power? You know, right then and there, Shadrach, me, such a medical party started laughing. Probably kicked the other one. He said, You just said the wrong words. You just chose, out of all the vocabulary to man, you just chose the wrong word. You said what God is able? Why did I read Romans earlier? Because right here, Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego had a decision to make. Listen to this. Are they team red? Or will they be in team blue? Will I serve my flesh and say, okay, I was just kidding. I'll serve your gods and then just repent later. Or will I be team red and stand up for what is true and walk in the spirit? Watch this. When everything around me telling me that I'm not able to survive this. Because sometimes the things in the flesh, uh, I'm going to say almost all the times, the things in the flesh seem more possible, huh? than the things of the spirit so there are times when we look at things in the flesh and in the flesh we say this stuff I'm able to do but then you start looking at things with spiritual eyes you know moving mountains with a little bit of faith you know grabbing a rod and splitting a sea and making it a snake you know praying for someone and watching the dead rise you know preaching to someone and watching their soul being saved from the grips of hell all these things just seem impossible I'm not able to do that but I sure am able to do what's easier in the flesh I don't necessarily have to activate a faith because sometimes watch this when I activate faith and when I activate that it's not the popular it's not the normal thing to do and it's the harder thing to do and the reason why it's the harder thing to do because I'm doing it with the mindset of my God, hopefully he's listening because he's able to do it and I have to activate this in faith because nothing in me is able to do it. And for us to live like that is a challenge. So we rather live like this. I'll just do what is earthly, what is carnal, what is normal and be a good person here on earth. And here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they said, King, so I have two options you're telling me. One, stand up for my God again and I get thrown into a fire. Two, the other option, there's not even a C. The other option is, you're going to throw me into a fire if I do not bow down to your God. Did you catch this? Because right then and there, what were these three men going to do? I don't know if they had their minds together in verses 13 and 14. But I have a feeling when verse 15 was said to them. And when Nebuchadnezzar said, let me tell you something, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You don't serve my God. But who do you think you are? And what do you think? That there is another God? 
that will be able to deliver you from this furnace and from my power? Let's keep reading verse 16, 17, and 18. The three Hebrews answer and they say to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, do we have an answer for you? We have no need to answer you. If this is the case, our God whom we serve, he is what? He's able. Guys, they activated the spirit. Because everything that Nebuchadnezzar said was, you're going to die today. You're going to be thrown into a furnace, and because you don't bow down to my God, you're going to die. That doesn't sound too good to a human ear. But instead, they say, oh, we have nothing to talk to you about. Because the God whom I serve is able, able to what? To deliver me from a fiery furnace. Well, how is that possible? I'm building it because I'm going to share one line that I pray you walk out of here with. He will deliver us, king, from your hands. But watch this. But king, if he doesn't, let's say he doesn't show up. You've ever been in a place where you feel like God has not shown up? I want you to know that we don't serve your gods, nor will we ever worship and serve your gods that you've set up. We know the rest of the story, right? Anyone know the rest of the story? They get thrown in. Do they get scorched? We know the rest of the story. And here's one of the points I want you to know as you leave here today. Yes, you're able. But you have a God that not only rescues you from King, my God is able to rescue me. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to serve your gods. You want to know what that little phrase got them? Exactly where they thought God was going to rescue them. Hey, have you prayed for something, hoped for something? And what it ended up doing was, you ended up exactly, exactly in the fire where you were hoping that you would not go to? We're never going to go. Because God is able. Get into the fire. Oh, God. Well, well as we go in, know that we're still not going to worship God. And now they're in the fire. What happened to your able God? You just got thrown into the fire. I thought he was going to rescue you. Church, what happened to your God? When you get thrown into the fire, I thought he's your God. I thought he's a faithful God and loving God. Why would he put such a fire around you and cause you to burn up in those fires? Or, or, or at least feel like you're going to burn up in those fires. Why would he bring those fires in your lives if you have a, an awesome God? Here's my point. Here it is. Because we have a God that not only rescues us from the fires, but we have a God that stands with us in the fire. And that's mind-blowing. But that happens to the ones who live in the Spirit. You want to know what happens if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Team Blue? I truly feel that they would have gotten scorched in seconds. But because they lived in Team Red by the Spirit, guess who showed up? Jesus showed up. You know, you know what I love about the Word of God? Jesus, at times, will not take away the fires of life in your life. But He sure is able to stand with you in them. And that is good enough for me. If you can't take away the fire, then at least stay in here with me. Because I know that if you stay in the fire, the fire has no hold on me. Oh my God, all of Babylon got saved after that. Nebuchadnezzar repented. That's not normal. In the fire with the Lord, you will know that you are remarkable in the fire and that's why God allows fires in your life as we close off this series and that's why God allows things in your lives and because he wants you to see that you're not normal but that you're remarkable that you have the power church that you have the skill church that you have the resources church that you have the qualifications to what to what pastor to be notably 
unusual, extraordinary, worthy of notice and attention in you. Watch this. In the man who is led in the spirit, there is a remarkable God that lives in him. And if a remarkable God lives in you, you are able to even shut the fires that surround you. Not because of anything about you, but because of the spirit that lives in you. Are you in team red or are you in team blue? King, don't tell me what I'm not able to do because I'm not serving other gods. Even if the odds are not in my favor, I'm going to continue to be faithful. I'm going to continue on the path of red. I will not turn to road blue. I will stay on red. Even when red doesn't make sense. Even when all my friends and all my family shoot. Even if my church goes blue, I stay red. King, I won't bow down. Because I am more than able. Our God whom we serve is able. And if not, we're not going to do this. I am able. I have the necessary power. You want to know what I'm really going to end with? I'm going to end with Acts chapters 1. Chapter 1. Because another definition of the word able, here it is. It is the word legally empowered. And church, if you live in Team Red, if you begin to live your life this year, why do you think I started this series this year? Because I don't want you to live in the flesh this year. I want you to live. I want you to live in the spirit. And if you live in the spirit this year, I want you to know this, that you are able. That you are legally empowered. How cool is that? How cool is to be legally empowered? That you hold a concealed weapons permit. And at all times, there is a power among your waist. Somewhere within your jacket. But this is better. There's something deep in your heart and in your soul that at any moment can come out. At any moment could reach lost, could save, could heal. You're legally empowered. So Jesus resurrects. On the third day there, he's no longer to be found in a tomb. And I'm going to get to this point real quick. And he's seen by hundreds of people before he goes to sit at the right hand of the Father. Don't miss this. It says in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, he appeared to the apostles from time to time to prove to them that he was actually alive. So seven weeks pass, 49 days to be exact. And on that 50th day, there's a bunch of people in, a, in an upper room and they're in prayer. And we see something for the first time in scripture we've never seen. The Holy Spirit falls from heaven. And it begins to fill these individuals who are in this room. That day is called the day of Pentecost. It's the, every year it's the birthday of the church. It's our birthday. We should start celebrating the day of Pentecost as our birthday. And because of the Pentecost, the turn of events of Jerusalem is amazing. In verse 4 and verse 5 in Acts chapter 1. Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he has promised. John baptized you with water, but in a few days, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And when the disciples hear this, in verse 6, they ask Jesus, Jesus, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Church, they didn't get it. They were thinking carnally. They were still, in a way, leaning towards Team Blue. They thought, he's back. He's going to fight now. We're going to win. We're, we're going to rally up an army. We're going to start a rebellion. We're going to capture Israel once and for all. We're going to drove the Romans back to Roman Caesar. Lord, is it time, watch this, for you, everyone say you, to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Is it time for you, Lord? to do what we need so that we could get our stuff. Isn't that funny how we think when we're in the flesh? Are you going to do what you need to do so that I can get what I need to get? And when we're in the flesh, we don't think right. We don't think right. Amazing choice of words. They want him to do the work like if he hasn't done enough. And they'll reap the benefits. And we sound, I sound just like them. Lord, you do this. Lord, you save him. Lord, you give me 
Lord, you make this happen. Lord, you free Israel and I receive my kingdom. They were no part of the work, no part of the process in freeing Israel. But they sure want the power. They sure want the kingdom. But not the process to get to it. Come on. Let that, let that hit home for a second. So you know what Jesus says to them in verse 7? The Father alone has the authority. He's the one who sets the dates and the time. Verse 8. But you, you're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. And you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I'm not sure if you see this, but Jesus is telling them it's, it's not time to physically build up the kingdom of Israel again. It's time now to build up the kingdom of God. And this is how we're going to do it. Look at verse 8 one more time, church. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Disciples, you want me to build a kingdom? Oh, I've already done it through my death. But the people I'm going to use, watch this, is you. You get filled with the Spirit. And you're going to talk about me everywhere. In Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, everywhere. Jesus is telling them, I'm making you able. He's deeper than that. I am legally empowering you to free people everywhere and begin building my kingdom. He's basically saying, you are able and the disciples thought that they were getting an earthly kingdom in which they would rule as kings men and ambassadors and high court of a new king of israel jesus but instead god had something greater planned and that is we're building something eternal that never dies that never dies for the sake of time in matthew 19 you know what jesus tells them when the Son of Man sits in His glory in heaven and you go see Him, you're going to have thrones around me. And you're going to sit in thrones. You know what else He says in the book of Revelation chapter 12? I'm going to build a city called the New Jerusalem, disciples. And the foundations of that city, there's going to be 12 of them. And every single one of them is going to have your names on it. You know what He's telling them, right? Don't get so caught up in the physical when I'm going to blow your mind in the things that are spiritual. You're not in team blue. You are in team red. And you're building something greater. How am I going to do that? Because I'm going to legally empower you. You are able. You receive power by the Holy Spirit in order to become remarkable. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close off. And I want you to look into your heart. I want you to be honest with yourself. Lord, here I am. At times, man, it's easy to walk in the Spirit. But Lord, there's times where I find myself, I find it easier just to walk in the flesh. But Lord, I've noticed that in my days in the flesh, I find myself weak find myself not able to become, to do, not able to be what you're asking, what you're calling me to be. But when I live in your truth and when I live in your spirit, God, then I see in me that I am more than able to live for the things that matter most. For the person who means most. And Lord, I know that you have legally empowered me. And maybe today you want to legally empower some of us. That they feel weak. They feel like they can't, like David felt in Psalm 42. They feel like there's nothing in them that will ever be able to. But your scripture teaches us in the book of Acts. That your spirit that now lives in us. And we become now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That that means you have legally empowered us. 
and created in us something greater than we could even imagine that now in me lives the spirit of God which makes me remarkable and I am able to be a mark I am able to even align myself and remark myself to the things of God today and today I'm able and have the understanding that I am more than enough I am just where God has me I am able to do and be what God has called me to be and I close off with what Paul says Lord what shall these things mean for God is with me what can be against me for he did not spare you did not spare your son but you delivered up Jesus for me how shall you not Lord God you with him you freely you freely gave us these things and you bring a charge and people talk and people say but what can bring a charge against God's elect if God justifies who is he who will try to condemn me because Lord it is you who has died and it is you who has risen and you're at the right hand of the Father and you intercede for me Jesus so in verse 35 of Romans 8 Lord it says who then shall separate me from the love of Christ no tribulation no distress no persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword no fire nothing is able to separate me for your sake for your sake oh God for what you have done and then in verse 37 Paul says Lord in all of these things in what things in distress in problems in tribulation in persecution in all these things I am more I am more than a conqueror through him who has loved me I am more I am able I am able I am able because of Jesus that phrase in the Greek means to vanquish beyond thank you Lord that phrase in the Greek means that I'm able to gain victory but it's a surpassing gain from a prior victory I'm able Lord to receive I'm able to be a conqueror and then Lord Paul ends with this for Lord and I say this over my life for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things that are here today or things that are to come nothing of height and nothing of depth or any other created thing will ever be able to separate me from the love of God which is in you Jesus Christ my Lord church lift up your hands with me Lord I thank you Lord I thank you because as a church you've called us to be remarkable as a church you've called us today to be able and Lord I know because there's nothing in my flesh like we read in Romans that is able but in the spirit oh Lord I am able to not just walk through fires come here but Lord I'm able to dance in fires so Lord I pray that this church through this series will never be able to go back to the way they used to be but that from now on we will be able to be remarkable to live in the spirit Our marriages will be able to succeed. Our children will be able, will be able to get saved. My ministry will be able to flourish. At job, my job, I will be able to enjoy it again. This life, I will be able to live it in the fullness. You've made me remarkable. I stand out because of the one that stands within I stand out because of the one who dwells within cause me to be a mark cause me to stir up cause me to be the attention in the room not because of who I am but because of the one who dwells in me 
Make me, make us, make new life remarkable. I pray that in this fast coming up, you will shatter false ideas and philosophies, that you will shatter the demonic pressures and the breakages of families and marriages, that you would shatter strongholds, that you would shatter sins, that through our fast and through seeking you together, we would see that we are able, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. Make us that. Make us. Make us. Make us able. Make us. So Lord, I thank you for a series that has rocked my heart, my mind, and my soul. And I would never be the same. That for the rest of our lives, we live not normal. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray together we say, Amen. Can you give God the highest praise? Lord, you reign. Church, 